Welcome to Entrepreneur Decoded, the show where you'll find real conversations with today's most successful entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from unforgettable personal stories to exact strategies they use on a daily basis. Here's your host, Simon Sander. Hey, this is Simon, and thank you so much for tuning in. This episode is sponsored by OscarHamilton.com. If you have a podcast or you're thinking about starting one, they offer some amazing podcast production and editing services. OscarHamilton.com. And now, let's get into the show. Today's featured guest is Greg Mercer. Greg, welcome. Simon, thank you very much for having me. I'm stoked to be here. Thank you so much for coming in, man. Craig is the founder and CEO of Suit of Tools to empower Amazon sellers as well as the owner of multiple physical product brands. He loves all things Amazon, big data, and building company culture for a remote team of 20 plus employees. Craig, walk us through the story of how you became an entrepreneur. Yeah, sure thing. So if we rewind about five years ago, uh, when I graduated university, I began uh, a corporate job working as a civil engineer. I wasn't satisfied there. I wasn't happy. I wanted to escape. I had this strong entrepreneurial spirit my whole life. So I started selling physical products on Amazon as kind of a side hustle to supplement my income. I was able to grow that large enough to quit my day job. And that's when um, my career really started to kind of like take off or what excited me really started to take off. So I for a couple of years, I built up that physical products brands, uh, mostly selling on Amazon. And then I found this need, and that was that in order to expand my brands, in order to launch more SKUs, I was having a hard time figuring out like where the good opportunities were. And that's when Jungle Scout was born. So Jungle Scout is a product research tool for Amazon sellers. So it, it helps you identify good opportunities um, on Amazon. So even if you have no idea what to sell on Amazon or no product ideas, or you don't know where to begin, Jungle Scout is there to show you, you know, the the areas or the niches or the opportunities where there's high demand and low competition and good margins and all that kind of thing. So that that's how uh, Jungle Scout was born. Jungle Scout is pretty big now. How many uh, members do you guys have? How many paying customers? So we actually have about seventy thousand customers now. Seventy thousand. That's uh, that's quite a lot. Um, Craig, isn't there a problem there though? Since you help uh, people find the best products on Amazon, don't you get the same recommendations over and over? <laughs> that's a good question. Um, so Amazon is so big. Like just on the Amazon US store, there's like two hundred million products. So there's so many products. Um, I forget like the current numbers, but billions of people shop on Amazon every single day. So just to give you uh, you know the idea of just how much of a mammoth this is, you know, like seventy thousand customers using Jungle Scout. That's such like a tiny, tiny drop in the bucket compared to like just how big Amazon is now. So th- to answer your question, no, there's there's still so many opportunities left. Um, it's you know, is it more competitive than it was three, four years ago? Yeah, of course. Um, you know, as any good opportunity is, but there's still tons of, you know, like good opportunities. So how does it work? Can anyone sign up at Amazon and start selling their products? Yeah. So for those of people who aren't familiar with Amazon FBA, it's this really cool program that Amazon put together. FBA stands for, for fulfilled by Amazon. And it's pretty sweet because any average Joe, you know, like me or like you or anyone else can like go and sign up for it or a, um, a 
large company can sign up for it, anyone else, and you mail your products into Amazon. They store them at their distribution centers, their warehouses, and when a customer makes a purchase, they pick, pack, and ship your product to the customer. Uh, they take a commission from the sale, and they also take fees for fulfilling your product, and then they give you the rest of the money. But what's so cool about it is even you know if you're just an average Joe trying to get started, instead of like storing all these goods in your garage and fulfilling you know like uh, if you think back to like eBay days or you know like your e-commerce days or whatever, you don't have to do that anymore. You just ship in bulk quantities to Amazon. They take care of all that grunt work for you. So it's pretty sweet. So usually you'll have your product made in China or US at some cases, and then you send it all over to Amazon and they will ship it out for you. That's correct. If you're using the fulfillment by Amazon model, you have to have it made first and send it into them. When you first got started, Craig, selling stuff on Amazon, what was your first product? Uh, so when I first got started, I was selling uh, like health and uh, personal care type items. So um, yeah, just all different types of like bandages and like wound care and different uh, healthcare type products like that. When I started, I wasn't private labeling these products. So I was just reselling products. I was ordering them from wholesalers and uh, reselling them on Amazon. That was like four or five years ago now. Um, that particular space of like reselling um, brand name products on Amazon now is hyper competitive. So the business model I use now and what like a lot of our customers use is called uh, like the private label model or the white label model. And what they're doing is they're finding opportunities they're getting these products made uh, usually in China, but you know, at the factory. They're white labeling it with their brand name, and then they're selling it on Amazon, and that has a number of advantages. Honestly, I'm really fascinated about Amazon and how it has been able to grow so much lately, and a lot of people use Amazon to sell their stuff. Uh, what is the average profit margin, um, if there's an average profit margin on Amazon? Yeah, so like, so I still sell products on Amazon. So to give you an idea, um, last year in 2016, my end of the year margins. So this is factoring Amazon fees, the cost to get it uh, created, shipped to Amazon, um, some staff to help me. All all things considered, were was 28 percent in 2016. So I think I think that's probably about average uh, in this space. Right. Uh, Greg, I want to talk about your company, Jungle Scout. 70 plus thousand paying customers. Um, tell me about the process of starting it and were you the technical uh, founder? Yeah, good question. So the only knowledge I had prior to Jungle Scout in the software space was I had tried to just build like a few, a couple tools, two different tools for like my own use. I, you know, I didn't build them with the idea of uh, selling them. They were just like for my own use to try to make tedious tasks easier kind of in my everyday life. I'd say both of those tools were a giant disaster. They didn't go well. Um, I tried to hire developers off Upwork or at the time it was Elance from uh, very um, low cost regions of the world. I had very, uh, you know, like a small budget. So, you know, I had this idea that I was just going to build like this awesome software for super cheap and that didn't work out. So that was my experience pre Jungle Scout. For Jungle Scout, I did hire for the the very first product. I did ha hire that developer um, off Elance, but I had a little bit bigger budget this time. I was like, okay, like um, you usually get what you pay for in all things, but especially when hiring developers as well. So I had a little bit bigger budget, um, but yeah, I just kind of like put together a uh, a drawing, just kind of like the wireframes, what I wanted it to look like, how I wanted it to to work. Um, I hired a developer that had really good 
you know, like reviews on Elance. And yeah, that's, that's kind of how it all started. But I'm still not the, I'm still not the technical guy. Craig, uh, what was the process like uh, working with a developer as a person who doesn't know too much about code? Yeah, again, they still want very specific um, specifications. Because if you can think, like when you're trying to translate someone's idea or dream into actual code, um, all of a sudden, you know, there's like tons of questions. Like, what happens if you click this button and the field isn't correct? What kind of error messages are you going to show? Or, you know, what happens after this or that or the other thing? So, um, I think you'll find that even with very experienced developers, they all want a very clear idea of exactly what it's supposed to do, you know, what every button does. And then it goes a lot further into, you know, what's like the hover state. So when you hover your mouse over this item, what does it show? Does it show anything? What kind of cursor is shown? So <laughs> if I knew all I knew now, I probably have been way too scared to ever start. So it's a good thing. <laughs> it's a good thing I didn't. But um, yeah, I think that, you know, anytime you're hiring a developer that you should go into it knowing that, you need to have a very good understanding, very clear specifications, very clear wireframes, um, everything that it should do. How long did it take to come up with a minimum viable product and how expensive was it finally? Yeah, good question. So um, so just to give you an idea, nowadays uh, Jungle Scout is like two separate products. So we have this Chrome extension as well as like a more traditional web application or like SaaS application, what so uh, it's more traditionally think of it. So to get started, I just use I just had the Chrome extension. Um, so kind of like the secret sauce behind the Chrome extension is I developed algorithms to estimate how many units were being sold of any particular product on Amazon. Okay, so you can go to like any product, you can click the little Chrome extension, it gives you this window with a bunch of cool data, um, like kind of like all like the data you need to understand whether it's a good opportunity. And one of the, like the key pieces of information it gives you says like, hey, this yoga mat right here sells 300 units every month. So that's kind of like what everyone loves. But um, like to answer your question, so I started with just the extension. It had a very high value to the user because of those sales estimates, even though it was a pretty simple tool. So this is like, for anyone listening, this is actually a great way to kind of get into software, to dip your toes, is try to find a piece of software that's relatively simple, yet it's still very high value to the end use. It doesn't necessarily have to be something very technically complex for it to be of high value to the user. Um, was the free software though? Like, uh, could anyone download it off Chrome Store or what was the revenue? No, so I, when I launched it, I think I launched it at like 60 or 70 bucks, a one-time fee. Uh, to get it made, I think it cost me like a few thousand dollars, I think like $2,000 for like the MVP. So when I say MVP, it's like a minimal viable product. Um, this is, It was crude. It was ugly. Um, it uh, may have been a little bit buggy, you know, like the, the, the first iteration of it, but it was enough that I was willing to like put my name behind it and I was willing to sell it. And it was enough to like provide value to people that they were willing to spend 60 or $70. And then I was continuously iterating on it. So, you know, I would sell a few of them. I put the money back into the product to continue to improve on it. So that's, that's how much it cost for this extension, uh, the very first model of this extension to get made. And then I was the one that created like the WordPress site and the marketing material did all the marketing i just hired a developer to um make the actual extension okay after you put together or the developer put together the chrome extension how did you market it how do you how did you get those initial customers uh, to download the actual app yeah because that's the hardest part right so right yeah um 
I was so I was an Amazon seller myself. I was fairly active in Amazon seller communities. So you know, there's like some Facebook groups where a lot of Amazon sellers hang out. Um, that that was kind of like the main area. And in these groups, I think I had already had like a certain amount of like credibility. I provide a lot of value to people. I answer a lot of people's questions. So people knew who I was. I wasn't just um some like random dude. So when it came after I had built this, I just like posted a video in these Facebook groups and just said like, what do you guys think about this? Would you be interested in something like this? Any like tips or whatever else? Um, and then I also with that had a landing page that just said like, Hey, if you are interested in this, um, you know, put your, put in your email and I will email you when it's released. And if I didn't already have, like if I wasn't already kind of like established in these groups and they didn't already know who I was, it would probably thought, be thought of that this was like a little bit spammy. But since I did have like a certain level of like social, you know, like social proof or credibility in these like groups, I think they were cool with it. And like, you know, they gave me good feedback because they know I do the same in return to them. Um, and from that, I think I was able to get like 100 emails. And that was my initial launch launch list. So when it came out, I emailed those 100 people. I think I sold like a dozen of them, which is pretty good. Um, and that is how it was all born. So 100 people on the email list and dozen of them bought it. Um, that's a really good ratio. Was that the response you were looking for? Um, yeah, I think so. I I, I was think I was hoping that just like two or three, maybe five of the 100 people bought it because that was that would at least that gives me the proof I needed to know, hey, people are actually, you know, like anyone will tell you like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. But it's like, OK, are you willing to get out your credit card? Is it that good of an idea? Greg, as you know, there's a huge difference between someone saying that they will purchase your product or service versus actually pulling out your credit card and making that purchase. Yeah, no doubt. So when when I saw like a dozen people actually get out their credit card and give me money for this, that was the the proof I needed that, okay, this is a, a good idea. Um, or this, you know, it is potential that this could be a, a business. That's when I started to devote more time and money, improving the product, improving the marketing. Um, and yeah. And from there you went on to develop the jungle scout we know today. That's absolutely right. So that is how it all started. So we've never taken on any funding, um, which is pretty rare for like a software company our size now. It was all um, it was self-funded, and it's always just improve the product, continue to sell it, pump the money back into improving the product, uh, and go from there. For the Chrome extension, you spent a few thousand dollars, worked hands-on uh, with the developer, and you got uh, your first sales in. Uh, how long was the process for putting together the software we know as Jungle Scout today? Because that's pretty sophisticated software. Um, so it's just a forever uh, iterating process. So like we push up new code every single day. Um, now we have nine full-time developers. Um, we have three full-time uh, designers or UX designers. Um, and every day, every day, um, we're continuously improving it. So, um, the company now is about two and a half years old. So, um, yeah, I guess where we're at today, it's uh, two and a half years worth of work. <laughs> Honestly, I'm so excited. In my heart, I'm a marketer, so I really want to understand how we're able to grow to 70,000 plus users. Uh, walk me through that. How do you acquire new customers? Sure. So what's working the best for us today is our content marketing. So um, we, we're firm believers in providing like super high quality content that is just better than anything else out there. And, um, from that, that's where we get a lot of our website traffic, exposure, shares, 
and uh, that you know organically or shouldn't say organically but that is what leads to uh the sales of our software so um just give you an idea like right now we're a big content initiative that we have running is called the million dollar case study so we started this uh about two months ago and the million dollar case study it's a weekly one hour webinar um with a weekly blog post and we are showing every step of building a physical products business on amazon up to a million dollars in revenue and we're donating 100% of the profits to charity. So it's pretty cool because the Amazon space is fairly like secretive. Most people don't want to share their products. A lot of people don't want to share like the real tactics or like the cutting edge tactics are actually working today. So people love like the transparency of you know, they're watching over my shoulder as I'm building this business uh, to go to a million dollars in revenue. So they're seeing like, okay, this is how you find a product. This is how you find a supplier. This is how you create your packaging. This is how you set up an LLC. This is how you search for trademarks, everything. Um, so yeah, and our, I guess our aim on any piece of content that we create, like I said, is for it to be the absolute best in the industry. So if someone asks like, Hey, how do I uh, set up PPC on Amazon? You know, our goal is for everyone to always say like, Hey, if you want the resource for that, go to jungle scout, their free resources are better than anything else out there. Um, so that's kind of the idea behind everything that we create. Who is writing the content and who's putting on these webinars? Yeah. So actually I'm the one that does the live webinars. Um, so like I said, I've been selling on Amazon myself for almost five years now, so I have a great grasp of how to be um, successful in the Amazon space. So I'm the one with on the live webinars. I do have help creating uh, like the blog posts. Um, we have uh, two people on our team that help write content. So I'm still heavily involved with the creation of the content. Like I help them come up with the outlines. I um, tell them kind of like what tips and tactics we should be writing about. Like for instance, I'll do like a screen, like I'll do like a, a record my screen, show them how to do something, show them like this cool hack or trip, a trick that I found out. And then they'll turn like my screen share or, you know, like my screen recording into like a nicely written article because they're better writers than I am. Um, so we have, I guess we have like a five person marketing team now and it is like a group effort to create all this stuff. Um, but I guess I'm kind of, the, still like the brains behind um, the actual tactics that we are writing about. Something that I've been really struggling with over the years has been finding really good writers. Uh, and it is a challenge. Uh, you have in-house writers. Um, was that a challenge for you to find these people? This is what, I, what I'll kind of say about that. I think a lot of people are under the impression that I, you, can, you can just hire this writer and they don't know very much about your industry, but they'll still like pump out like a great piece of content. Um, or, you know, like, hey, like I'm paying this person to write like four blog posts a day or something. And uh, in my opinion, that's just unrealistic. Like instead, like what we're doing, we have full time writers, but like keep in mind, it will take them like a week to write a blog post because we're doing tests. Um, we're doing like the research on it ourselves. We are like creating like really good like infographics. Um, so I'd say like the amount of like research and testing and experiments, um, our surveys, our data gathering, all that kind of stuff that goes into like one piece of content, you know, it might take a one of our content writers like a week or like a team effort of a week to create like this one great piece of content. And I think like realistically, if you 
really are creating like the best in the industry. That's like the kind of like time and effort and money that goes be- goes behind these pieces. It's unrealistic to think that you know, hey, I'm I would just want to create the best thing, but I, I have to do it in three hours. It's like you can't do that. Various brands. Um approach content marketing so differently. I'm thinking about Neil Patel for a second. Uh, he publishes an article every single day, 2,000 plus words, and uh, they get a lot of shares, a lot of reads, a lot of comments, and he's doing really well for himself. At the same time, I'm thinking about Brian Dean, who's uh, one of the most well-known SEO writers out there, and it takes him uh, weeks and weeks to put together a, pl- a blog post, and he's one of the most well-respected SEO writers um, out there. Uh, also, Mark Manson, for example, he publishes an article or two a month, and he's uh, he's really well-known. So it's it's a challenge to come up with a good schedule, and you really have to figure out what works for you. So uh, besides content marketing, what are some other ways you acquire new customers? Um, so really, like most of it's all around our, our content. When I say content, I'm talking about webinars. I'm talking about blog posts. I'm talking about our YouTube channel. Um, lately, we've put a fair amount of effort into our YouTube channel. We do like a weekly um, Q&A, which is pretty cool. It's gotten pretty good traction. So uh, we answer the questions just for like 15 minutes. You leave your questions in the comments, and then the next week we answer those questions. Uh, so that's done pretty good. Um, I do a fair amount of podcasts just like this one. So, you know, that's content as well. Um, but our, as far as top of funnel leads go, it um, – you know, I think 90% or so come from our content. The rest comes from um, affiliate sales. We do do uh, a fair number of affiliate sales. Um, everything else, you know, like we do do a, a good bit of paid ads. But again, like paid ads are being driven to like our content, right? So, um, yeah, really... I'd say, you know, the success of Jungle Scout is just around uh, or the content that we've created. To wrap up the talk about your company, tell me what future holds for you. Let's say next year. Yeah, it's a really good question. So um, we haven't really talked about this, but, you know, Jungle Scout also has built three other applications. So, you know, we have like Fetcher, which is profit analytics for Amazon sellers. We have Splitly.com, which is A-B testing for Amazon sellers. And uh, we also have JumpSend, which is an email automation platform and a deal site for Amazon sellers. So for a little while, we um, we expanded, you know, like horizontally to um provide solutions for you know our customers there were always things that they were asking for um so for a little while i was like i was thinking about we'd build kind of like more and more tools we have four tools right now and we've actually pivoted um instead of going that approach we really just want to double down on all of the products that we do have so we have these four products so for the next year our goal is just to you know, like the space is getting more competitive and I was worried that if we spend efforts and time and resources building more tools that we'd kind of lose the edge that we have. So instead we're really doubling down on just making sure that all of our products continue to be like the best in the business. You know, like everyone just raves about our tools. They think that our software products are way better than anywhere, anyone else's. That's really our goal now. So just like quality, quality, quality of, you know, all of our software, all of our content, all that kind of things. So that's, um, that's our that's our plan for the next 12 months. 
Yeah, if anyone wants to uh, find out more about the company, head over to junglescout.com. Craig, I want to switch gears a bit. And at this point, I want to understand how does your life look like today? And what do you do daily to be successful? I want to start with the morning routine because that is something that is crucial for entrepreneurs. Do you have one? So I don't have a very strong morning routine. So just to give you a little idea, um, my wife and I are digital nomads, so we don't have a home. We travel around. We've been doing that for about two years. So we we normally spend like a when we started we moved a little more often, but now we usually spend about like a month in each location. So we'll move from country to country or city to city, and we'll spend like a month there. We rent an Airbnb. We get into a co-working space. Um, I still work full time, so uh, I still work a lot. But I guess with that. It makes it a little bit more challenging, I think, to be like on a set schedule and set routine. So I actually don't have like a very strong morning schedule. I, the one thing that stays in common, depending on where I live, is I like to wake up um, fairly early. I guess that's a relative term, but I usually wake up most mornings by 7 a.m. I like to um, quickly eat breakfast and then do some form of exercise. So that might just mean walking 30 minutes to the co-working space. That might mean going for a bike ride. It really depends on the city that I'm in that some mornings that means like going for a swim, but that really like sets me off on the right foot, um, is getting some exercise right away. So those are really the only things I like to wake up fairly early. I like to exercise and then I like to get into the co-working space as soon as I can. Um, so oftentimes that just means, you know, a 30 minute walk or a 20 minute bike ride into the co-working space. Uh, and then after that, I just uh, start working. You mentioned co-working space. Uh, what's the reason for that? Uh, if you're traveling around, is it, isn't it a bit challenging to find a co-working space in every different country? Yeah. So actually, I, I won't go to a city if they don't have a co-working space. So I guess that is a big routine of mine. It's just too big of a distraction trying to work at the house, I think. Um, I travel with my wife. I also work with her. So you know, if like we're both trying to sit at the kitchen table working, um, there's lots of distractions. I feel like that I really need like a change of space to get my mindset into work mode. So, you know, I, I wake up in the house. Um, if I do that 30 minute walk to work or to the co-working space, once I get there, I'm surrounded by like-minded people. They're all in work mode in productivity mode. Um, that's the same, that's the same kind of energy I like to surround myself with when I'm working. Um, so I've, that's definitely like a huge productivity hack. I think for the first month or two, when I started traveling, I tried to also work at the house, which um, that just doesn't work for me. You just destroyed the idea that digital nomads work from the beach, man. <laughs> I've tried all of that. I've tried working from the beach. I've tried working from the, <laughs> the, the coffee shops. You know, on the beach, your keyboard gets all sweaty and sandy. At the coffee shops, the sometimes the Wi-Fi is unreliable, or every you know hour or two, it's kind of like expected to maybe buy another cup of coffee or whatever. Um, so, co-working space is where it's at if you really want to be productive. How many hours a day do you work, Rick? Um, I'd say I usually work about eight or ten hours. Uh, when I first started, I was working way too much, and I think even to the point where, at a certain point, you can't even be productive anymore. You know, so <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now I now I usually am on the computer by like eight a.m. Um, I try to not get back on the computer after dinner, which I used to. So now it's usually like 8 a.m. till maybe I'll go to dinner at 6 or 6.30 and have a little lunch break in there. Um, sometimes I get on at night kind of before bed, but like I said, I'm, I'm trying not to do that as much anymore. Since you travel with your wife, does she help you with your business or does she do something else? She's working on the business as well. Um, so we are in 
kind of two totally separate like areas or departments, which I think helps. Um, if we were trying to work on the same thing, it'd probably be uh, tough to balance the marriage and working together thing. But um, yeah, it's actually worked out really well. Craig, it's uh, been a pleasure having you on the show. We've covered a lot in this interview, and I'm really happy that you were able to join me today. If you could leave our audience with one final takeaway, one final thought from you, what would that be? My final takeaway is if you're listening to this and you are an aspiring entrepreneur, is just to get going. So I remember like a few years ago, you know, I used to listen to podcasts like this. They were very motivational, but I was always like too scared. I was always like, yeah, that guy can do it because of this. I just had all these excuses that I would tell myself why, you know, it's like, oh, that, you know, that guy's on the podcast talking about his business now because of this or that or the other thing. And the truth of the matter is like, I'm just a very normal guy, just like everyone else, you know, like listening to this. Um, if I can do it, you definitely can too. And we recently did a survey uh, with our um, Amazon sellers. So these are all in the in the Amazon space, but they're all entrepreneurs themselves. And the one regret that everyone had, or like 80% of the people had, it was like way higher than any other question on the survey was that they didn't start soon enough. So that's the takeaway I'm going to leave you with. If you're listening to this, you haven't gotten started kind of like in your entrepreneurial journey. Um, now's the time, you know, don't tell yourself excuses. Greg is 100% right. Get started today. Otherwise, you'll regret it. Greg Mercer, thank you so much for coming in. Simon, thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. Take care. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneur Decoded. For killer resources and free content, go to entrepreneurdecoded.com.